So what are some of the business strategies that we put into place to navigate this new normal called COVID-19? Well, that is what we're talking about today on The Working Therapist. Welcome to The Working Therapist, a podcast designed to help you grow in your therapy practice. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. Now here are your hosts, Hayden Bolick and Kirstie Miles. When all this first started back at the beginning of March, uh, you know, we were talking about how we've had interruptions in business in the past. We've had snowstorms because North Carolina and there's snow. We've had hurricanes, two in particular, one where we had to close down for a few days. But there was an end in sight for that. And when all of this started, it was kind of like a snowball effect. And one day to the next was it was growing and it was getting bigger to the point where schedules were becoming empty. And Hayden, you and I were on the phone one Sunday afternoon. And yes. I was like, uh, did you just see the news? The schools have closed, yeah, so now we which have, affects some of our therapists. Yeah, so now we he did have therapists, like all of our staff have a full schedule. And now in one little quick bleep of a minute, wiped out. Schedules for lots of therapists were completely empty. They didn't have the schools to go back to on Monday. So we had to do some quick changes. Come Monday morning, we had a better schedule, but over the course of that week and the next, it just, it started to deteriorate. So it turned into, and we both hated this term called the new normal, because this is not our normal, and I'm not signing up for this normal. I keep saying that too. Yeah, I'm not into This is not my normal. No, this is not the normal, but, <laughs> but our normal is we provide speech, occupational, and physical therapy, and we have a business to run, so... That's our normal. And now we have this overlying COVID-19 mess on top of it. So how do we navigate and what did things or what did we put into place so that we could operate our business as normal, doing what we got to do for our patients, keeping our staff safe and maintaining a safe environment and, and navigating through this COVID-19 stuff. And doing what we do, which is helping children and families. You know, as we worked through that, especially that Sunday afternoon when we had therapist schedules full and then the governor said, okay, all the schools are closed. And then so poof, lots of therapist schedules were empty like in a minute. And you and I worked all Sunday afternoon to try to figure all this out. It took that whole next week for me, maybe you were quicker to the party, but I was not. It's that whole next week for me to realize, wait a minute, this is not just one of our normal business interruptions like a hurricane or a snow. I mean, as terrible as that is, it's, there's an end in sight. But this COVID, there's no end in sight with this. So we were working through like daily, almost hourly sometimes, but definitely daily changing information as we tried to navigate this. So we had to put some stuff into place. And and we're going to talk about the stuff that we had to put into place. That's what this whole podcast is about. But one of the things that was important to me to think through uh, or just to think about was when a, some big, huge thing hits like this COVID, it made me, reminds me of this story that David, David is my husband. His uncle was retired as an admiral in the Navy, but before he got to be an admiral, he had to be all the things that are underneath an admiral, which is basically like low men on the totem pole up to get to the main dude. He was on this big old aircraft carrier. And you know, not much disrupts an aircraft carrier when they're in the ocean, right? Because these things are pretty much like a floating island. You know, they can land planes off of them. So that's pretty, you know, they not much interrupts them. Anyway, he's in the bridge with the admiral and David's uncle at this point in his career is not an admiral. He's a lower man on the totem pole. Anyway, he's in the bridge and with all these people in this that are running this aircraft carrier. Anyway, there's this huge rogue wave that comes and it breaks the windows in the bridge, like big, huge wave, all this stuff. Everybody's knocked to the ground, water everywhere, big thing. David's uncle said, he, he's like, <laughs> he's like, you know, stands up sputtering and he's all wet and everybody's wet and it's kind of chaos up there. He said, literally the admiral stood up, adjusted his hat and goes, well, that's the biggest wave I've ever seen. 
Then he went about his regular stuff. Didn't get ruffled, didn't freak out, didn't nothing. Just that's the biggest wave I've ever seen. And then went about doing whatever you do when a wave hits an aircraft carrier that breaks all the windows. I don't really know. But anyway, he went about doing that. So that's kind of like what happened with this COVID. Like This is the biggest wave I've ever seen. I don't know if it is quite the biggest wave, but it's a pretty darn big wave. And so we had to put into place some things so that we could lead and manage. And so that's what we're talking about today is what we put into place. And so I think the first thing we did was the leadership team here, which is myself and Kirsty and Anita, scheduled business strategy call twice a day, nine and four. And we talked through things that are important to the business to keep it running. So that's what we kind of want to talk about today, which was a big chunk of time because that four o'clock would roll around. Oh my gosh, we just hung sometimes up a minute ago. Sometimes it'd be 530, sometimes yes. it'd be. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't always like four to five or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we hung up the phone after a 9 a.m. meeting, and I swear I thought an hour or two passed and we were on the phone Yes, I mean, Many days felt like that because there was so much to get done. I mean, I know for many it's been unfortunate times where they've been put out of work because of what's been happening. And I think in order to keep as many people working as possible here, we were Mm -hmm. working double to make Uh, that happen. We always started our calls with people. Because we are a people business. And I said to you, like, I think when I interviewed you, the story about the widget, you know, at the end of a... We don't make widgets. That's right. We don't have a product. There's nothing at the end of a therapy session. (laughs) I said that to Kirstie in her interview. (laughs) She reminded me that the other day. But at the end of a PTO to a speech session, we're not making a widget. There's nothing you have to hold, feel, touch, smell, just your relationship with people. So we always start with people here. And people's where we started on our business call. And I think people was the first place to start to deal with this COVID thing. So some of our people issues, all how do we best support our people? And it starts with our employees, because if we don't have people here, then we can't provide the service to our patients. So we had it broken down into those two categories as well. So some of the things that we did to best support our people were, for example, the schedules. You know, the schedules went from full to not full. And then, so then what do you do with that? We had to work on therapist schedules and figure out how to, do we adjust therapy times? We did sometimes adjust the times that we spent with clients. We also adjusted, like, what do they do when they didn't have a client? in the business, they could do stuff. What could they do here that would help still support the business, support them, but yet they were still contributing. So we didn't have a lot of people just sort of sitting around thinking, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? That could have contributed to a anxiety and stuff like that. So one of the things we really thought about was making sure we kept people busy. And we ramped up our cleaning in response to that, you know, not just the day-to-day cleaning your workspace, but we got to remove all the bubber, remove all the sand, replace it all. What sounds very simple, but we went through all of our materials, replaced what Mm -hmm. needed to be replaced, cleaned all of the containers that it was in. We really, really stepped up that cleaning and then from there forward making sure all the process was in place that therapists knew you have to even wipe down the exterior of the box that you're using that has the toy. Mm. So when therapists did have schedules that were falling apart, they were really good about coming to us Mm -hmm. to say, what do you need? What can I do? When we're interviewing people, and I know I've taken a step back, but it's always about finding the right people and the right fit to join our team. And when you have the right people on the team, it really makes it a lot easier. It sure does. So I think one of the things we wanted to make sure was people were busy, but the people we have did not mind being busy. In fact, they preferred no. it because really therapists are doers. We're not sitting around, we're doers. 
But we also are talking about ways to support our people during this time of transition into a lot of the face-to-face appointments to teletherapy was to do discipline-specific meetings. So we put into place weekly meetings with like OTs and PTs and speech, which is a little bit different than what we've done in the past because usually we've had cross-discipline meetings, but these were specific discipline meetings so we could talk about intervention strategies and ideas to so that each person can support the others in their same discipline during some of this therapy transition time as we move from like face-to-face to to teletherapy. And we've had some great ideas come out of those meetings. It's been very impressive. And I think too, as we transition into teletherapy, I think it's really important to say that we as an organization, we don't just jump in blindly to things. We were probably one of the organizations that maybe took a little bit longer to get into teletherapy, Mm -hmm. whereas other people were already doing it. But a lot of it came from making sure we were well-grounded to lead people into teletherapy. It's not something we just jumped into. We had to make sure the board was approved because we provide PT, OT, and speech. We can't approve it for two disciplines to do. And really, PTs drug their feet the longest. So we were waiting for that APTA board. (laughs) (laughs) We were waiting for them to approve it and recognize it as a means of service. And then not only do you have to wait for the board approvals, but there was a lot of up in the air with insurances and what was going to be covered and how they were going to cover it. And then how do you bill it? So there was a lot that went into that teletherapy. It's not just like, oh, okay, flip a switch and poof. Yeah. There was no poof. No. There was a lot of (laughs) webinars. There was a lot of Hayden would go home and do one. I'd go home and do another one. Of course, they're at like dinner time (laughs) or like late in the day. I'm like, I don't even know if my brain has the capacity to take this in right now. (laughs) There was one specific dinner. I can remember sitting there with the family and I had my computer laptop up and we were eating. I was like, and so, and people start talking like, shh, I'm trying to listen to this webinar. (laughs) I was walking around with one of my AirPod buds in one ear and listening, and they'd be talking to me, and I'd be like, No, no, Medicaid, Medicare, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, let's not talk about your day at school. I need to listen to this what, what, about whatever the rules are for Medicaid and there was uh, one therapy. There was one Hayden that you and yeah. I were listening to together, and I texted you, and you're like, They said this, and I was like, Am I listening to the same one that you are? I did not hear that. <laughs> Hayden's like, They definitely said that, and I'm like, I don't think I'm on the same podcast (laughs) (laughs) well between four ears we got like definitely two (laughs) and then I picked up on something else that you're like what where was that I know they never said that I was like no I definitely heard that I think we listened to two different things (laughs) (laughs) that was the same time that somebody somebody was getting to refill their tea and then that was the same time that it was like I can't do this work from home thing (laughs) this is not working (laughs) so I think also for important to say that for our our time with our people because we're still on our people topic and this is how our business strategy calls would go like hey when it we're still on people because we did all of our stuff we never closed like our offices have stayed open the whole time we are considered essential personnel so we're able to do that so as we were talking through our people stuff and moving into the teletherapy we offered face-to-face but we also offered teletherapy but of course we had definitely put some a lot of precautions into place with the face-to-face. I think we decided to keep the offices open and to do the teletherapy from the office because in each therapy room, everybody could be in their own individual space, which is no different than their own individual house. And know? then have the materials <coughs> right. at hand. So if you have right. something that you need therapeutically, they're there, the items are there, you can adjust in the therapy sessions, all of the games are there. So even though like you have a game in front of you as the therapist, you were playing back and forth with the child. So that was really important to us as well. And, you know, I'm sure there are some organizations that did the teletherapy from home. 
we decided to keep the offices mm-hmm. going and to keep it, but for lots of reasons. But I think going back to what we were saying as we were switching, so in the people category, teletherapy was one of the big ones, and we worked a lot on that, making sure, like you said, we're listening to the webinars. So basically, in the business strategy meetings, what we would do is being very intentional about making sure we understood the right rules and we understood first what AOTA said, PTA said, ASHA said, and then also what the North Carolina Board of Examiners for all the disciplines said, and making sure we knew all those rules. And then what the insurance company said and make sure they knew we knew all those rules. So we had to make sure we had all that in place before we could launch into teletherapy, you know? And even though they did relax a lot of their HIPAA guidelines regarding like teletherapy platforms, and stuff like that, they didn't relax HIPAA overall. So we had to still make sure we had other HIPAA things in place as we launched into it. They didn't change some of the rules. That's where we learned that, are you going to be in the state of North Carolina yeah. when we're <laughs> providing service? Because we can't practice across state lines. We're not licensed so in the state of Virginia. So we, if the patients no. in Virginia, we can't do the teletherapy. We had some patients yeah. that mm-hmm. were out of town. They, for whatever reason, they traveled, they got stuck, couldn't get home. We can't provide teletherapy. No, so I'm not licensed so, in the state of Florida. I cannot mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. yeah. That kind of rolled into patients, which was also a category in our discussion. Yeah. So a lot of the business strategy means were, First, we started with the most important thing, people, our people. I don't want to say that our patients are the most important. They are. But if you don't take care of the therapist and the employees that you have working, you're never going to have a good patient thing. So you have to start with people, which is our therapist and our admin staff. You have to start with them first. And to best support them sometimes, it's getting the right information so you understand the rules and the regulations. So then when you launch into something, you're doing it in an educated, intentional, professional manner. Patients being the next category, we re- we have to appeal to a wide variety of patients. We have some patients that are, we would call them to let them know that we were still open to offer in face-to-face versus teletherapy, all the way to teletherapy is right. not going to work for my child, I just want to be off the schedule to, no, I'm good. We're still coming in face to face. That's what's going to work for us. So we had such a Mm -hmm. why, and we can't make rules so rigid because we're in the people industry and we have to be able to adapt to all of our patients and meet the needs across the board. And so we as an organization understand that. So we have from one extreme to another and really adapting and molding to what the needs are to meet those needs. And I think also making sure we understood COVID-19 is the best that we could and with ever-changing information and that in and of itself is a huge how do you understand this because I feel like daily something says something about this virus that is different than the day before or whatever but we did talk to several medical professionals along the way about lots of different topics so that we could get the best understanding we could and then make decisions a lot of times for our patients in terms of how we're going to provide service delivery and the options that we were going to be okay for service delivery you know as we best understood what the medical professionals and who were actually on the front lines of this and we talked to one physician who is a respiratory she's on the front lines of this and she took you know time out of her day that was very valuable to to talk to us to help us better understand what is happening with this virus so that we could best set up safe situations for our patients and our therapists. Like, for example, one of the decisions we made, which was a hard decision, but we had, I felt like we, it was the right decision to make, and I still believe that it is, is we decided not to do any home visits or daycare visits because we couldn't control the environment we were sending our therapist into, and we didn't want our therapist going from home to home to home to carry something into a patient's home with mm-hmm. and then being innocently carrying something in. So we had to stop doing that, which a lot of our patients were not necessarily thrilled about that, but 
that was really the best decision to keep our patients safe as a whole and our therapists safe as a whole, you know? So I think we had to make decisions and we're still not doing right now home visits or daycare visits because of it. But I think it's the right thing. We can't control that home environment. And God forbid, you know, on an innocent little potato head, we carried COVID-19 into somebody's house, you know? (laughs) I mean, I mean, whatever. Even the daycares are limiting who comes in now as well. And so even if we choose to go in there, they might not allow it. And they do. The daycares have stayed open for frontline workers and essential workers so that they can still work. Yeah, no, you're totally right. And so I think under the big patient category, the big things we talked about was, okay, let's get the right information from the correct medical professionals, which were in a lot of times all of the above categories, attorneys, physicians, and then the information from all of our boards here in North Carolina, speech, OT, and PT, so that we could stay with the most current information so we could make best decisions. Like, for example, the home visits and, for example, just limited the number of people in our waiting room. Also, temperature checks, you know, which we've put into place, having patients do temperature checks, employees do temperature checks, getting the right thermometers, making sure the thermometers we have are safe for patients. You know, we called one physician, like, well, hey, what if a patient has a shunt? Is it, are these infrared thermometers not accurate? Is it dangerous for someone to use if they have a pacemaker? I mean, we were overly cautious. We wanted to make sure we had the right information, make sure our patients were safe. And I think that's important. So we decided to do patient temperature checks because we did find out from another physician, most of the people who are positive for COVID-19 will have a temperature. Some don't, but most often, and I think what 90% of the cases, or it was high percentage, they would have a fever. So we said, okay, let's do temperature checks because that's the safest thing. Mm -hmm. So we based information on patients, but patients was always our number two category. We've adjusted the waiting rooms to limit people in the waiting rooms. We've also adjusted the traffic. So we have a lot of vendors that would come in and out for various things, the orthotist, wheelchairs and equipment. And so we've changed the way our working relationship works with them because children continue to need that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we've had to adapt the way that that happens to limit the traffic in our clinic. Also for patients, the other thing we decided to do was for our therapists to wear masks to make sure that we are limiting what we're exposing our patients to. Then we moved on to facilities. And in the facilities, this was an important topic because you got to think about the environment and we always maintain a clean environment, but we rewrote our cleaning manuals. We'd already had those, but we rewrote those. We did retraining for those. And we also, basically everybody here has a job in terms of cleaning. We have a regular cleaning company, but we still have, everybody has a cleaning job. And really cleaning was one of the first changes we, oh yeah, because that, that was easy to implement like immediately. And it's what we do anyway. It's our normal anyway. Yeah, so it was just, just ramped up. We just got lot. more intentional with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We initiated, we use a cleaning company, JamPro. Mm-hmm. They spray EnviroShield. We started that very early. We had already had it scheduled actually before mm-hmm. this whole COVID thing happening. We So we were already on the schedule. We were already on the schedule. And then we were like, okay, so we just, just keep made us it, on. Keep us on the schedule. But we'd mm-hmm. already had that done. We did. That was like the first of March when we had that stuff happening. Like right there, the first, second week, March 2020. But anyway, so we did that. We immediately pulled all the fabric. We have Mm -hmm. fabric swings, Lycra swings, Mm -hmm. vests, neoprene, compression vests. We had pulled all that out of the clinic. Close the ball pits. Mm -hmm. With all those fabric items, they've all been cleaned. They're being stored right now, but they've not been put back into clinics because you don't have a way to effectively clean them between each patient that they're used. So right now, we've had to adapt and provide other ideas for therapists to use in lieu of that because you still need to do that for the Mm -hmm. child to meet their needs. But right now, it might not be the safest measure at this time. Yeah, so we had to just adapt. Wearing gloves all the time. That's kind of also, I think we wear a permanent 
permanent set of gloves all the time. <laughs> anyway, and then also wash if this point, if you have any type of like cuticle situation happening at all, I don't think you've washed your hands enough because I mean, literally my, my hands look terrible. They're all cut up, but from washing them so many times. But also I think professional signage facilities is really important to think about. I mean, at first we had those paper signs up, but that just doesn't look very professional. And also kind of gives a temporary feel to things. And again, this is, we don't know how long this COVID is going to last, but I think having professional signage is really kind of important and really not that expensive. You know, you just get it printed up and wham, stick it on your thing. But it looks better than sometimes the paper stuff. And we had one therapist who came to me and said, yeah, this mom, I'd offered her teletherapy. And she was like, no, your clinics are so clean. We're coming in. We're good. <laughs> Some parents called and they said, we want to maintain the face-to-face, but they were just wanted to know how many people were going to be in the waiting room, how many people were going to be in the building, and then how we were managing the flow of that. So I think all of that is important with facilities to think about and being very, very specific and intentional with facilities, which is what we would did. And yeah. I think as this has carried on, I think it's important to say too, we've not put out a deadline to say, hey, we're back in clinic. Our clinics have been open this entire time and we haven't closed our doors. It's been an option for patients to either come in face-to-face or have therapy via teletherapy because we don't know what's happening tomorrow. Things could change. We don't know between phase one, phase two, phase three, is there going to be a resurgence? Are we going to have to move and shift back into more teletherapy? We don't really have all those answers yet. So we, as an organization, have to be very adaptable. It's just like a plan of care. You have to be adaptable for any Mm -hmm. patient's plan of care. So it's kind of like how we work and it's our normal anyway. So we're having to adapt. And also different peoples with the various patients and their medical histories that we deal with, there's sometimes different decisions that need to be made from different parents based on Mm -hmm. their child's medical needs and stuff. So a child who has got a lot of very high end risk factors, they may need to be teletherapy for a long while. Right. So, and we just need to work with that, which is what we do, which we are doing. Yeah. So the other big category was IT. And you wouldn't think IT would be a big category, but yes, with teletherapy, it's a huge category. (laughs) How many IT issues have we dealt with? So many. Well, I think, right, we were on the front end of it, you know, as we were shifting into teletherapy, we made sure IT checked all the computers. We troubleshooted because not only, like, we have good computers here for our therapists to use, but there was an update that needed to be done, so all the cameras were in working order. Just very simple things, but if you're going to put teletherapy on the schedule tomorrow, that computer better be able to operate and sign in now. Yeah, right now. So we did trainings with that. But one of the good things that I'm so thankful for is that we had already prior to all of this, all of our therapists have really nice Lenovo computers that they work on on a regular basis. And so it just made the teletherapy easy because they already have good working computers. It was just the update, making sure the microphone and the computers were working with the new update and windows and all that Mm -hmm. mess. But the fact that they had the right equipment was really positive. And the fact that we already have fiber in our offices, we put in fiber a year ago, thank goodness. So our internet speed was really super fast, which made our connections to the patients really, has made it really, really good. And it still is. Except the one day, a Friday afternoon, when teletherapy was happening all in the office, one of our offices, and the fiber went down. There was an outage in the area. CenturyLink, (sighs) by the time I got transferred for the third time and they dropped my call one time, I think I had a mini meltdown. And I was like, you do not need to be afraid of COVID. You need to be afraid of me right now. Get the internet back up. (laughs) I was like, no joke. I said that to the guy. COVID is the least of your issues. (laughs) I was like, I have therapists here that are in the middle of therapy sessions and you're disrupting our services. No, we've had a couple of those moments. (laughs) But um, even though we're still, you know, 
this is the biggest wave I've ever seen or maintaining calm, <laughs> but on occasion. <laughs> nope, that was a mini meltdown. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was one that might have done us in. But yeah, no, no, uh, you're right. Like in the middle of this COVID thing, you're like, really? We have an internet outage? Like, no, these this two can't things happen. happen at the same time. <laughs> so yeah. then that was a Friday afternoon. It still wasn't back up later in the day. So on Saturday, I'm driving back over to the office. I'm like, come Monday. I am not dealing with this at 730 in the morning on the phone with CenturyLink because they haven't gotten this back up and running. And what I had done to save money, because we have an emergency backup plan, but I was like, we never use this emergency backup plan. I'm cutting these little Wi-Fi things off because we never use these things or whatever. They Anyway, I cut off the emergency backup plan. They're back <laughs> on now. They're back on now. <laughs> we're, we're, we're back. But that was just for the internet. But you know, our therapists on that afternoon were amazing because they were on the phone problem solving with me. And our admin staff was amazing during that time because I was like, really? One more little hiccup. But you know, regular business happens. Even in the middle of COVID, regular business, which means there's internet outages sometimes happen. Mm-hmm. And even if the best fiber, and we have awesome fiber, and we have great computers, it still happens. The other thing I was going to say about that teletherapy, you know, I had the idea, I was like, okay, well, all of our therapists need headphones and microphones and all that to make it work. Nobody liked them. Not one therapist. Well, you asked them. me about it. I'm like, PTs are going to have to get up and move and well, jump around. And <laughs> even the, and I gave them up to try to people. They, oh yeah, this will be great. But you know what? They didn't like it because they're like, it's like we're in a cave. They cut, they were felt like they were cut off from the rest of the world. Like because when you have the headphones in, uh, one therapist said, I feel like I'm screaming at everybody because she only could hear herself. You know. Yeah. And so they ended up not liking them. Yep. I thought they would like them, but it's actually the opposite. So, so you know what? Sometime in the middle of this in trial and error, we tried some things, especially with IT, and they were like, yeah, this is a no-go. Mm-hmm. But we had the basic foundation, which I think was really good, so we just had to build on that. We weren't creating. And then our last topic was communication. And communication is always important. I mean, my gosh, you would think, I'm a speech therapist, you would think we're the best at communication, but sometimes we're the worst at communicating, right? So I think it's something that as a leadership team, we had on our agenda twice a day, every day, to make sure we were communicating with therapists, patients, and then all the other people that were involved, which is a lot. Yep. So communication tied then to every other category. Because, Everyone. And we used our platforms. We used our internal platform to communicate with all of our therapists about cleaning procedures, meetings that were happening. So we kept them informed. We kept our patients informed through our Facebook page, through phone calls, direct communication. So there was a lot of different ways we communicated. You know, one of the things that I learned about communication under this time is you never can get too detailed. You know, sometimes I don't think, like, especially with like this Google Meet. So it's even sometimes with our like teletherapy and that I've set up many a teletherapy session, you know, and I would tell the patient what I thought was all the information that they needed. But I learned through this that I left out some key facts, like what device are you going to use? Mm-hmm. I should have asked that question early on, but I didn't. I had to learn that the hard way because sometimes it affected how they connect. Or you have to tell them Google Chrome. You have to open in Google Chrome. Yeah, yeah, things like that. Also need to say, hey, do you have internet where you are? I didn't think to ask that question, you know, but sometimes did you have it? And then also reminded them, hey, the therapist is going to be joining your session right after another session. So if they're a couple minutes late, it doesn't mean they're not showing up. It just means that session ran over by one or two minutes. And so some of that, I think those are things that I didn't think to say, but sometimes you can't get too specific. And also specific with, you know, and asking good questions. Sometimes I've learned how to ask better questions with this. So as we wrap up this podcast, the main takeaway is what we started with for us is our priorities, our people, our patients, our facilities. We started with what's our priorities, and then we sort of fit into what we needed 
to keep those things running based on this COVID-19. So for example, we didn't just go run out and buy gloves or buy masks. We had a reason for why we wanted to buy the mask. We didn't just go out and buy thermometers. We decided, okay, why do we want to do patient temperature checks? Why do we want to do employee temperature checks? How does it fit into our people, our patients, our facilities, our communication? Like how do those things fit? We started with the things that are most important to us and how what was always been most important. And then we fit everything else into those categories so that we weren't making knee-jerk decisions or uninformed decisions or fly-by-the-seat-of-our-pants decisions, because that really doesn't work for us. It's never worked for us, and it wouldn't work or for us now. we're doing this because everybody else is doing it. That's that not, does not work for us, no. We're not on that bandwagon. We are not on that bandwagon, and I'm glad you said that. We are not on that bandwagon. Everything's got to have a purpose and a reason. Honestly, if they're, if somebody, if they're like, well, everybody's doing it this way, I'm like, well, how can I do it completely opposite and make it right? <laughs> that kind of, I, I agree with you. I kind of have a challenge in that. Like, everybody's doing it like this. I'm like, well. Yep. I'm like, challenge accepted. Hold Let's on, go. Hold on. I'm not, I'm not signed up for that. I need more information. That's right. So that's how we're doing it now. And I appreciate you listening. Hopefully, you're able to take some good information from this. And we will catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. For more information or to contact us, visit us online at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com.